Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good to see all of you, and I hope you're doing well. Um, If you're joining us online, app, podcast, we're glad you're with us today as well. And let's do this, guys. If we could, at this time, I would just invite you to grab your Bible or open a Bible app and turn to the book of Hebrews. Um, That's in the New Testament. It's towards the end of the New Testament. Um, And what we're doing is we're we're studying the book of Hebrews. We'll be doing that for about six months. Um, Last week, we began the series. We began and we looked at the first four verses. Therefore, that means today we're going to pick up in verse number five. So Hebrews chapter one, verse five. Um, A little, just a few things I would say. I talked about this last week, but um, first thing I would say this is we, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews? We don't know. There's debate and people can debate. People like to debate. It don't, we don't know. We don't know. But we do know who the book of Hebrews was written to. We know the book of Hebrews was written to a, a Jewish community or a Jewish community. And well, that's where you, you get the name Hebrews. And um, evidently what had happened is in some way, some capacity, a missionary or someone came in, shared the gospel with them and God saved some of them. And then they kind of started this little house church. And so you got the beginning, they're second generation Christians. They'd never met Jesus, never seen Jesus. Here the gospel gets saved. Then you get this little house church. Now you start in this little house church and immediately something begins. They begin to be persecuted. And they begin to be persecuted um, really in two different ways. The first way they're persecuted is by the government. You got Nero. Now Nero, Nero was persecuting all the Christians. So they have that persecution. Well, they get a second type of persecution as well. The Jewish community, which they had been a part of, is now persecuting them because they had left Judaism. And so it's hard. It's, it's hard. They heard the gospel. The Lord saved them. They started church. And all of a sudden, they got all this persecution. And it's real, and it's difficult, and it's hard. And the deal is, the only thing that they had to do in order to stop the persecution, if they wanted to tap out, all they had to do was, I don't know, go back to Judaism. That's all they all, where they came from, you know, where they started. They wanted to start the, stop the persecution. They go back to Judaism and, and, and this Jewish community would stop persecuting them. All, all, they, all, they, all they had to do was return. And you, and you think, and then you put yourself in, in their situation. Then you think to yourself, and that'd be a pretty easy thing to do, right? Just, just go back to what you know. Go back to what you're familiar with and everything would just go back to, to normal. And, and you know, I think the temptation 
The temptation, I think, would have been strong. Let's go back. Let's go back. What about this? What if? No, no, just thinking, just thinking, thinking. And this might mean what some of them were thinking, I think. What if we go back to Judaism on kind of a, a, a technicality? No, hear me out. What if we just um, change some definitions a little bit? It would allow us to go back to Judaism, but we would still maybe not deny Christ. What, what is, whoa, 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 what, what about this? What about this? What if we, say, what if we all just got together and agreed that Jesus was just an angel, not God, just, 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 just an angel. We go back to Judaism. Well, we can even say, look, we can even say he was the greatest angel. I'm going to say he's the greatest angel, but we're just not God. If we do that, if we just kind of change a, a definition, we can, we can go back and the persecution will end. And we're not going to deny Jesus. We're just, you know, we're going to change a, a definition. Yeah, it can, it, can, it can sound reasonable. I don't know. I, I would th- I'd say this. It's not unlike some of the things we, we, might, we might face today, right? I mean, we, it's a similar situation, right? Like, like, like we're in the world, and the world pushes back really hard. When you sit there and say, Jesus only, you say, Jesus only, the world's going to, you know, come at you, right? But all you have to do to get the world off your back is make a, I don't know, a little definitional change. You can say, you know, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus is a real man. He's a real guy. Yeah, he's real. But he was just a good teacher. He, he wasn't God. He was, just, he was just a morally model, good teacher, good man, whatever. You, you do Church, you do that, and you're you too. Persecution will, will, will stop. I mean, it may, may sound good. I'll say this, though. If you say Jesus is just a man, just a good teacher, you can do that, but it will make him out to be a liar because the Bible says he claimed to be God. And if he is a liar, then he's neither a good man nor a good teacher, and who's going to want to follow him, right? That's the problem with all of these. We're going to change some things. We're going to just change some definitions, some technicalities. You have a persecution. Well, that's where we get to the book of Hebrews, because the writer of Hebrews is going to address this very thing. The problem is Jesus does not compromise. He doesn't. Jesus doesn't compromise. And so the author of Hebrews is going to address this very issue. He begins this way, verse 5. You can follow along and take notes in your outline if you want to do that. We're going to begin by seeing Jesus is superior to angels. That's where we're going to begin, okay? So, so maybe in that little house church, we're going to demote we're going to, Jesus. Jesus, 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 he's, going to, he's, going to, he's an angel. He's an angel, go back to Judaism, persecution will stop. I ain't going to do that. I mean, maybe someone here is, is watching, listening. Have you heard that? You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I want to demote Jesus. I want, I want, Jesus is just a man. Jesus is just a man. If I, if I, if I do that, I can, the world will like me. And so the author of Hebrews addresses this. He's going to do an interesting thing. He's going to give us five reasons. He gives it to them, but it's to us. Why Jesus cannot be an angel. Don't get him wrong. He's going to, angels are marvelous, wonderful, created beings, but their significance dwindles when you compare them to Jesus. So, yeah, let's go through this, all right? 
here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. The, the, the writer of Hebrews is not going to give us his opinion. The writer of Hebrews, he's just going to quote scripture. That's all he's going to do. All he going, he's going to quote scripture. No opinions here. He's going to quote scripture. First thing he's going to say is this. Jesus has a superior relationship. Verse 5. Here's what he's, he's arguing with these guys. Here's what he's saying. He asks a question. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son today, I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son, right? He's like, well, you, you, you think about, you think, you thinking about demoting Jesus to an angel. Well, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. I need two verses. First one from the Bible, Psalms 2, 7. It's talking about the Messiah. God says, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. 2 Samuel 7, 14, same thing, talking about the Messiah. God says, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a, a, a son. And he's got this rhetorical question. Hey, remind me, people, remind me, what angel did God ever say that to? It's just a question. You want to demote him? Let me, let me say this to you. If you go sit there, you want to demote Jesus to just a good teacher a good man, whatever, a moral example, I got a question for you. What, to what good man has God ever said many times, many occasions, many, many locations, that's my son? None. None. It's a good question. All right. Second, he's going to keep going. He's going to beat this into our head using the Bible. Second thing he's going to say, Jesus has a superior honor. Once again, verse 6, going back to the text, he goes, Scripture and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. He's talking about the Messiah. Now, this is Deuteronomy 32, 43. And all the Jewish, all the Jewish, and all the Jews in Judaism, they knew this was talking about the Messiah. And it says, let all God's angels worship him, right? Now, tell me, tell me. Tell me how Jesus going to be an angel when God done said all the angels going to worship him. That's a question. That's a good question. A good question. Good question, man. Once again, I'd say apply that to any, I don't know, people today, any Christian today, anybody going around, say, I'm going to demote Jesus to something other than God. You're sitting there, well, what, what other man has God ever said all the creation going to worship you? None. He keeps going. Verse 7 and 8, he's going to say, Jesus has a superior status. <laughs> I love it. Here we go. Of the angels, he says. Okay, so the author of Hebrews says, this is what God has said about the angels. Here we go. He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. That's Psalm 104. That's about the angels. But of the Son, that's Jesus, he says... Once again, this is Psalm 45. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. So, you got a, a compare and a contrast. You know, in the Bible, God said, God, well, he said, God says this, Psalm 104, angels are created, right? Angels are servants. Angels are ministers. The Bible says, okay. But about Jesus, God says, your throne is forever. You're eternal, right? You have a scepter. You are anointed and you are sovereign. 
Okay, okay, compare and contrast. You got servants here, you got sovereign here. It is an impossibility to logically think of Jesus as a peer of the angels. They're completely different. Once again, I know I'm I'm beating this into our heads as well because I don't want any person leaving here today or listening to this today, watching whatever, to think that Jesus is somehow just a man. Once again, God just said he is eternal, he is king, he is sovereign. God has never said that about any simple person created flesh. Not Keeps going. He's going to keep going. Fourth, Jesus has a superior existence. This is Psalm 102. Now, is this, listen, listen, listen. I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Don't know. I do know this. He knew his Bible. Because he's about to, he's just going to quote the Bible. He's just quoting the Bible. This is Psalm 102. This is same, he's just quoting it. It's the same thing. I don't know. Look, and you, verse 10, Lord, you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same. Come on, church. That's Jesus. You are the same, and your years will have no end. That's, that's, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. We see here, Jesus, 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 Jesus can't be an angel. He has always been and always will be. Angels were created. Man, women, we've been created. Jesus is altogether different. And then we get the final, this is the final reason. As though four was not enough. Hang on, I'll give you one more. Come on. Jesus has a superior vocation. All right. 13 and 14. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Once again, he's just quoting scripture. He's using scripture to interpret you know, the times. He's using scripture to interpret what's going on. He's using scripture to help us understand who Jesus is. This verse, 13 and 14, it is the most quoted scripture in the New Testament. It is used 14 times, 14 times. In fact, check this out, church. Jesus even used this text and applied it to himself. This is in in, in Mark at his trial. Jesus goes, "That, that verse... Jesus did this. Jesus goes, that verse, it's me. He says that. Jesus Jesus goes, that verse right there is me. And that means a lot. Once again, it, it, it means this. Jesus is saying, this is me. And if you're going to sit there and say that he's just a man, you're going to sit there and say he's just a good teacher, it makes no sense at all because Jesus says, this is me. This here says that Jesus is God. How in the world can Jesus just be a good man if he's sitting there claiming to be God and he's not? He's a liar. Man, listen, if Jesus is not who he says he is, God in the flesh, and I'll tell you what, don't, you got to throw out the whole Bible. You got to. Every book, every verse, 
everything in it points to Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he has accomplished. Boom, there you go. Writer Hebrews. Hey, 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 listen, you, 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 you're going to escape persecution? You're going to escape persecution? You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to distort who Jesus is? I don't know who was in that house church who was sitting there saying, hey, guys, I got an idea. Let's make Jesus an angel. But the author of Hebrew just destroyed that argument. He destroys it. He obliterates it. Here's five reasons. Here's five reasons. Five reasons. Let me say this real quick, because I thought about this. Don't mean it's important. It just means I thought about it. <laughs> I understand the desire to get out of persecution. I do. I get it. I do. I understand this guy in Hebrews, that little church, saying, "Hey, let's 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 let's, let's change up Jesus." I've been in situations, and I've seen severe. Even when we lived in Africa in Muslim context, we saw severe persecution. I didn't experience that. But I'll tell you this. I'm not proud of this. I'll tell you this. I too, I too have at times in different situations made less of Jesus so that someone would not make fun of me. It's weak. It's weak, isn't it? I remember I was younger. Mostly some friends, they're not Christians, and they're doing stuff, and I diminished my love for Jesus around them because well, I, don't, I don't want to be made fun of. I get it, I understand. I wasn't even under this kind of temptation, but I understand. It's an easy thing to do. It's easy, we don't do it. The author of Hebrews says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that, Christian. You can't do that. I'm not saying we go out and court persecution. There are some Christians going out, I want to be persecuted. That's not me, by the way. I'm not courting persecution. I am saying this. Jesus is good. Jesus is God. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has been gracious to me. How dare I make him out less to be he, who he is so that my buddy won't make fun of me? Because my buddy going to make fun of me no matter what. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be making fun of me. No, what? All right. But we're going to keep going. We're going to get to chapter 2 here in the book of Hebrews. And there's going to be a shift here, but it's in the same vein. All right? He's going to say not only is Jesus superior to angels, but the second thing he's going to say is Jesus is superior to culture. <laughs> hey, church. It's going, it's going to, this, this is where it hits really close to home. Here's the deal. It does not matter where you live. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. Every one of us live out our days in a cultural context. You do, all right? And the cultural context in which you are living in is going to color the way you see the church, the way you see the Bible, the way you see the Word of God. It colors a lot of different things. Now, here's the deal. There is no culture in the world, secular culture, that pushes you towards Jesus. It doesn't exist. Now, you go, like I said, even our culture, our culture, our culture, you're like, we live in, it's the Bible Belt, Bible Belt, great, whatever. I don't even know what that means, man. I don't know, what's a Bible Belt? I don't know, man. All culture pulls you away from holiness. It pulls you away 
It pulls you away from Christ and the church, right? Nobody drifts towards holiness because we're all living in a cultural context that is against, opposed to Christ and the word of God, all right? Therefore, here, get this, get this. Therefore, if you do nothing, if you do nothing at all, you will drift away from Jesus. You will. It's, it's the easiest thing, guy, it's the easiest thing in the world to do because all you got to do is nothing. You, 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 do, you do nothing, I'm going to do nothing. You're going to drift and you will. And so chapter two, we're going to get a warning. Chapter two, verse one, he's going to say this very first thing, pay attention to the warning. All right, hear me out, guys. You get this, this whole culture is pulling you away. Verse one, we get the warning. Here we go. Verse one, therefore, I love the word therefore. Therefore, because God has spoken long ago, many times, many ways. Therefore, because Jesus is better than angels. Therefore, Jesus is better than all things. Therefore, because everything he has said in chapter one, therefore, here's the warning. We Christians, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. That's the word of God, lest what? We drift away from it. That's the warning. That's the warning. In other words, if you're not paying attention, if you're not paying attention to the word of God, my friend, you will drift away from it. Period. Period. Here's the deal. This is what I've discovered. Spiritual drift usually does not happen on purpose. It's usually just from doing nothing, right? I'm not concerned with God, his word, his people. You kind of drift away. Man, I've, I, I, I talk to, man, a lot of different people. I talk to lovely people that have drifted away. They're not where they once were. And, and we'll talk about it, and, and most of them will tell me, they'll say, I did not drift away because of one tragic event, I didn't drift away from one thing. I just drifted, you know, just a series of events. I don't know. You know, I used to read the word. I used to go to church. I used to pray. Well, what happened, man? They're like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I just drifted. I stopped. Oh, man, you guys get this. You get this. Every one of you get this. I know you get this. Um. It's like, it's like this. It's like this. Okay. You going to church, you know, you going to, you going to church, you going to church, you going to, I'm going to church. I'm, you're in church. You're volunteering. You're doing all this stuff. And then maybe one week you miss church. And that's, we all miss church. Everybody going to miss church, whatever. And then you find that you missed a second week. After you miss second weeks, once again, I'm just, this is just an, a big example. It becomes a lot easier to miss that third week. And that fourth week, that fifth week, that sixth week, and all of a sudden, going to church is the last thing on your mind, and you're like, whoa, 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 what happened? There wasn't a big event, it was just unconcern. And I've talked to some, this may be some of you, I don't know, and if, if you've shared this with me, and I'm resharing it, it's, it, I forgot it was from you, so please don't email me. I told you that, don't, listen. This has happened to several people, and I know. This. So they get out of church. They're in church all the time. You're in church. I'm going to church. Church, church. I love church. You're right. I love my pastor. I love my church. And then for whatever reason, they get out of church for a season. And then God kind of does something like, I'm going to get back in church. Now, here's the weird deal, man. Several people have told me this. 
then after you're out of church for a season, six weeks, eight weeks, three months, you want to go back to church, you love your church, but there's this, they say, kind of there's some awkwardness. They're like, if I go back to church, people are going to ask me where have I been. They're going to say they miss me. And I just, it's awkward. It's awkward. It feels weird. I've had people say this. I love my church. I love my pastor. It's so, I've been out so long and it's so awkward to go back. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go to another church because it's awkward. Let me tell you. And if you're at home and, and, and you're able to be at church and you're not here and you feel awkward, that's just God. That's, the, that's Satan, man. Just don't go to church. Come. We got, we got room for you, man. We got room for you. You just come. You come. So real quick, I want to do this. I want to do this really fast. Um, I have seen four common things that cause drift in the context that we live in. And I just want to go over this with you real quick. This isn't in your notes. You can write it down if you want to. This is what I have observed, all right? What causes drift? One, there's what I'd call the pull of years. It's a pull of years, right? If you live long enough, you're going to see it happen as well, right? You're going to see people who were once professing strong Christians just drift away. And it's usually because they get involved in a morally neutral thing. Like these guys oftentimes are not involved in like these sinister type things, just morally neutral things. Morally neutral things invade their life. They give themselves to it and they drift away. Second thing, this is one I see a lot in the new urban South, the pull of familiarity. All right. This is what I mean by it. I see this over and over again, all right? It's natural for us to come to regard a familiar thing as commonplace. And for some, the more familiar we become with church, the more familiar we become with the Word of God, the more familiar we become with God's people, the less beauty we see in it. I'll tell you right now, you guys, we're blessed. We come, this is a beautiful building. This is a beautiful building. Most Christians do not come to a building like this. When you come here every week, you may start to believe this is the usual, this is the normal experience for all believers because we get to enjoy it. Let me give you an example. I see this, man. I give you an example. So I've been in other contexts, other countries, other languages, and I've been blessed to read and study the Word of God with men who've never read the Bible before. That's craziness, man. That's craziness. So you're studying it, and maybe you come to Matthew, uh, Matthew, Matthew 14. Yeah, Matthew 14. You got Jesus walking on water. And so we're in, we're in this room. It's hot. You're sweating and all this stuff. And I read, I read this. I read this. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. And you hear, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean walking on the sea? And I'm like, guys, check it out. <laughs> Jesus was walking on water. And the room explodes. These are all believers. They're believers. They can't remember, they're believers now. They're like, you mean he's walking on water? And they just go crazy, man. It's amazing. Yet, if I was to read that very verse in the average American evangelical church, you, the, the room's not going to explode. Why? Why are we not? Because we've heard it before. We've heard it before. And so it seems commonplace. But I'm telling you, I'm telling I'm telling you, a man, Jesus, he walked on water. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
Amen. Amen. So I don't know. I don't know if he was defying gravity or if the water became, I don't know, solid. I do not know. I just know Jesus was walking on water. Guys, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. We're blessed. Most of us have multiple Bibles in our house, but most of those multiple Bibles got dust on them. Don't let it become less glorious than it is. Three, real quick, the pull of busyness. That's the third drift. We some busy people. We busy. We busy. We, bu- we so busy. We so busy. Our busy got busy. You know, I'm sitting there. How many, don't raise your hand, but has this ever happened to you? You come home at the end of a work day and someone asks you, what'd you do today? And you're like, I don't know what I did, but I was busy. <laughs> I don't know. Drift. Four, I see people seeking joy outside of Jesus. I don't know. There's this insidious belief somehow, and this drilled in us, the radio, the TV, you're going to get joy outside of Jesus. There's something outside of Jesus you're going to get joy from. So we invest in that. We put our weight on that. We put our time in that, and we spend our whatever, everything with that. They don't have the joy. Only Jesus does. All right. So that's a few. I see them a lot. So what is the cure for drifting? I'm going to say it. Here's the cure. Here's the cure. Pay more careful attention to what you've heard. That's what Hebrews says. You want to go, pay attention. All right. Now we get to verse two and three. He's going to say, do not neglect the warning. He's going, he's going at us, guys. He's going at us. All right. Verse two and three. It's, this is, you're going to follow, you got to follow me on this. Okay. He's going to ask us another question. And then he's going to make this brilliant argument real quick. He's going to make it this way. He's going to make a lesser argument, and then he's going to compare it to the greater argument. All right? The question he asked, we'll get to in a minute. Here's the question. How shall we escape if we neglect such a salvation? That's the question. Verse 2, here's the lesser argument. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, stop here, here's the lesser argument. Here's the lesser argument, all right? We know that the Old Testament was reliable. We know that every transgression against it, every disobedience to it, you would receive a just retribution. we 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 all get that. Old Testament... Laws, you disobey, you get a just punishment. But then he says that that message, the Old Testament, was given to us by angels, once again, meaning messengers, all right? In other words, the 39 books of the Old Testament was mediated, uh, mediated to us, right? In some capacity, we received it from God, but he used human agents to get the Old Testament to us. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it was reliable, and any disobedience to it resulted in a just punishment. That's the lesser argument. All right. Verse 3, here's the greater argument. First, the question, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Here's the greater argument. It, that great salvation, that's the gospel, was declared at first by the Lord, that's Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard. In other words, here's the argument, guys. Here's the argument, all right? The Old Testament, lesser argument, all right? It was given to us, mediated to us through different agents other than God, but we all know that was reliable. When you disobey that, you're going to get a just retribution. 
Church, how much more should you and I pay attention to the gospel and the word of Christ Jesus because it was given to us not by mediation, it was given to us directly by the sovereign God from his lips to us. How much more? How much more reliable, how much more weight, how much more glorious is the gospel when it was given to us by Jesus Christ? That's his argument. And there's a question. How are you, how you going to escape? No, no, church. If you drift from this, you get, ah, I'm busy, got joy, I got pull of years, familiarity. You're going to let those things cause drift. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. Good, good, good. Do, 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 do that. Well, how are you going to escape? This great salvation. What is your plan Then he continues the rest of verse 3. He gives us the confirmation of the warning. Just real quick. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So not only, not only, not only, not only was this gospel given to us by God himself, his lips. He gave us signs. He gave us wonders. He gave us miracle. And he gave us gifts. Oh, what a weighty argument. And this is just for you got to answer. How will you escape? If you're going to ignore that, you're going to ignore this, you're going to drift from this, you're going to put your weight on other things, you're going to do other stuff. How? 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 Here's the deal, guys. This warning, this warning is not given to non-Christians. This warning is given to Christians. This is to us. That question's to us. It's us. It's for the person who has allowed the greatness and beauty and majesty of glory of Jesus to slip away. The person who no longer marvels at the atonement. The person who has no desire for God's word. So what are we to do? Pay much closer attention to what you've heard. He's beating that in our head. You don't do that, you will drift. I was thinking about this just real quick. From time to time, someone will tell me, and I understand, but they'll say, I'm frustrated, man. I'm frustrated. I'm, frustra- I'm, frust- I'm frustrated. I am not growing spiritually as I think I should. And it just reminds me of the saying that I've heard, and I'm just going to share this with you. Do not be upset at the results you're not getting from the work you're not doing. Amen. Right? You're, going to say, you're going to sit there. Yeah. You don't go to church. You don't hang out with God's people. You don't read God's word. You don't pray. You cannot anticipate Great spiritual growth. We church, lovingly, I say this as much as I can. I'm not, we're not, not legalistically here, but we must pay much closer attention to what we heard because if you do not, you're going to drift. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the book of Hebrews. Thank you for what you have been teaching me and I pray that we would be a people who listen and I pray that we'd be a people who live in light 
of what we have learned. And we ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.